Hey everybody and welcome to another Manly Musings podcast. This is part two of three where we're discussing some hunting things. Now why, you might ask yourself why does Craig like to talk about hunting on a survival show podcast? Well because there's so much that I've learned in the process of hunting that applies to mindset skills tactics and gear of hunting and so I like to share those things with you. So thanks for joining me. Before we dig into part two, where I'm going to be talking about some of the stories, it's more of an enrichment podcast today rather than a complete, it's definitely an educational podcast, but it's more going to be more focused on enrichment today than it is education. So I hope you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, enjoy, listen as you're driving, as you're working, whatever it is that you're doing today. But I also want to remind you about the sponsor for these podcasts this month or so, tinysurvival.com. Use the code MANLY10 for a 10% discount. So keep in mind this. This is important. This is David's website. He's built a fan, man. He's built a fantastic website right here. So it's pretty cool. Over at tinysurvival.com, you can build your own wallet or pocket carry EDC system using their step-by-step build your kit tool. So I mean, it's really cool. You just kind of put this in there, you put this in there, put that in there, and you got your own kit. It's pretty fantastic, really. So right now, again, ten percent off on the you build kits over $49. So all you got to do is go over and select the items you want in your kit, pick your container, hold it all, uh, pick your container that'll hold it all. And then bam, rock and roll, son, you got your own kit. Your custom kit components will be shipped to your door right to you. You don't have to go out and look at this aisle over at Cabela's and go to Walmart and get this fishing string. And you don't have to go over to, Dick's Sporting Goods and find this. You know, I don't know that I go to Dick's anyway. But you just go to tinysurvival.com. All the stuff's right there. Boom, boom, boom. Put this in there. Put that in there. And you got your own kit. It's really cool. So the key here is that uh, for tiny survival kits, you know, what a lot of people call micro survival kits, is you can add in the, guess what, the tiny survival guide, the tiny survival card, and all the things that go along with it there. And these are going to be fantastic stocking stuffers this year. So pick a few up. Uh, pick up a um, tiny survival card or guide, and that way you can have a fantastic way of helping your family. You love them, right? You love your family. Now, I know the holiday season is rough. You may not feel like you love them, but you really love your family, I hope. So get them a tiny survival guide, tiny survival card, go to tinysurvival.com, make your own EDC kit and use, and this is cool, use Manly 10, Manly 10. That gets you 10% off and you're welcome for that. That's all from me. (laughs) Not really that David, David said, Hey man, if you don't care talking about them, we'll give them 10% off. Why heck yeah, son. We'll talk about them. So go check out tinysurvival.com and use the code Manly 10 to save 10% on all the stuff there. So I hope you enjoy yourself. Have fun. Now let's get into some hunting stories, man. I, you know, I've sit here and racked my brains on which ones I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is basically I want to break down deer hunting through the ages. If I were to title it, I think I call it, they call this deer hunting through the ages. And what I mean by that is I want to go through and try to find some stories from when I was 15, 25, 35, 45, and 50. Now that uh, that's where I find myself at 50 years of age. I mean, people get all bent out of shape on being 50, and I've actually quite, actually really enjoyed turning 50 years old. But, you know, when I first started deer hunting, um, my dad 
took me to a place up in Owen County, Kentucky. For those that are here in Kentucky that are listening, you know where that is. And man, we saw a bunch of deer. One of the first deer that, I, that well, the actual first deer that I ever shot at was a doe that was about, I don't know, 10 yards in front of me. And uh, I was shooting one of those bear compound youth models that were white, which is the craziest thing, a bow that was white. Some of y'all may have had one of those, but I I got up in a tree stand. It was a lock-on tree stand. It was not one that you could climb. So basically I stood on top of a fence. It wasn't the border fence. It was a a midline fence in, in this farm. I stood on top of a fence post next to a tree, locked it on, and then, uh, Obviously, I tied a rope to my bow and everything and pulled it up into the tree stand. But basically, I had to grab, I mean, it, I was like a monkey, you know. I had to jump out, grab a hold of this stand, do a pull-up to get my butt up on it, and then climb in. If I had to do that right now to go deer hunting, I, I wouldn't be able to go. I just I just wouldn't be able to do it. And so, yeah, I pulled my stuff up. First morning, we he had taken me out a couple of times to places just to get me out in the woods and then he actually put me in a tree stand like this one. And I don't know if he actually put it put me there as much as he said, good luck, and kicked me in the butt. I don't know. But nevertheless, I climbed up in this tree stand. Right around daylight, here comes a doe. And if she had a fawn with her, and I was all about zapping this doe. I mean, I was all going, I was going to put an arrow in her. I mean, I got the bow drawn back, pulled down. It was, I mean, again, it's one of those times where it's just at daylight. She's sneaking through the woods, real quiet-like. I pulled the bow back. She's, again, she's 10 yards away from me, you all. 10 yards. She gets close enough. She's standing broadside to me. And I let it rip, son. That arrow went straight down a branch that was right in front of me that I did not see and went shooting up into the woods. Went right over top of her back. Didn't even come close to shooting her. She just stood there and looked at me. (laughs) yeah man that was a that was a really uh awesome experience i mean it was one of those things where i could see breath coming off of her i could see her eye i could see her eyelashes on her eye i uh you know i could i was that close to her she was so close to me and so that was pretty close to 15 years of age i don't know exactly if all these are happening at 15 25 or whatever uh, at, at these ages, but I'll, I'm going to approximate them as well. Uh, that was the uh, first time I got to shoot at a deer, and obviously I missed. Um, the first deer that I killed, kind of an interesting story, and if, for those that are older my age and may know what this tree stand is, I had a Baker lock-on tree stand that was a climbing tree stand, and that was basically a death trap. That thing was an absolute total death trap. And it was the way it locked on the tree. It was just begging for you to climb up a tree and fall out of it. It was so stupid. And, you know, that was before a lot of people put emphasis on safety. And definitely my dad did not teach me that way. He was, uh, I mean, he did with firearms, no doubt about it. But the tree stand thing, it was kind of all new to people then. And so, uh, so they were just, they were terrible, terrible tree stands, very unsafe. So I, I climbed up. I was about 10 feet off the ground in this Baker tree stand, and I looked. And uh, this was the first, it was the first time I ever purposely skipped. Well, it was the only time I ever purposely skipped school. And I was one of these, you know, when I was in, supposed to be in school, I went to school, man. You know, I didn't miss school. But I, but I did this one day. My dad allowed me to skip school because back during this season, again, this is around when I was close to 15, 
um, I, uh, it was bucks only and we had hunted and hunted, seen a bunch of does and not seen any, any bucks. And there was a doe only day, but it was on a Monday, uh, not during the weekend. And dad said, yeah, we're staying. We're not going home. We're going to stay and we're going to bust a doe. And that's exactly what happened is I remember, uh, climbing up that stand and I was sitting literally right over top of a deer trail. Now I wasn't an, I was an okay tracker then, but I wasn't a great tracker, but I was a good enough tracker back then to know that, Hey, I was in a hot spot. I knew they were going to come by and I looked up through the woods and here comes this deer and it's a little one by itself. And I'm shooting a rifle at this point. I'm shooting a 243, and, uh, that's the rifle I've killed the vast majority of my deer with. And this deer comes walking right up and is standing right in front of me and I zapped it. And it turned out to be a little buck, a little buttonhead buck. I didn't, I thought it was a doe. Uh, it turned out to be a little buttonhead buck, which is still legal. Um, and, uh, so I was so excited. Now I'm not saying this is smart. This is totally stupid. I was so excited. I literally just jumped out of the tree stand, jumped. I was 10 feet up, you know, I'm 15, 16 years old. I can't remember exactly how old I was. Uh, well, I can tell you pretty close. I was probably 14 years old. Yeah. Cause I know what year it was. I would have been 14 years old when this happened. Uh, literally jumped out of the tree stand, racked a shell in my rifle as I was going down. Again, that is not safe practice. That's stupid. That's just how excited I was to be able to harvest my first deer. Got down, um, gutted it out there's some things that happen among family you know gutting your first deer or harvesting your first deer there's usually some personal things that happen with family members and there's definitely some things that happen there uh with my first deer that uh, i'll never forget and so yeah that's it that's that's it for 15 now 25 i had become basically a deer slayer uh i was you know i could have been a contract killer Without a doubt. I, I mean, I could have been hired to go out and kill deer for people and probably made a fantastic living at it. Um, it was one of those things where I was starting to become uh, into my own in being able to. I was incredibly fit. I was very good at going deep into the woods and finding where the deer were. Sometimes that meant I didn't go very deep into the woods at all. And I would go in and I would kill deer and I would drag them out. Some, I remember dragging one time, one morning, coy, the coyotes were harassing. I'm not a big fan of killing coyotes unless it's warranted. But at this point in time, there was a particular coyote that was harassing these, this family's sheep where we were on their farm. And so I killed a buck, I killed a doe, and I killed a coyote one morning. Uh, again, I was probably around 25, I'm guessing, 20, 25. And I tied them all together. This is how strong I was back then. I'm not that strong now. I drug all three of them tied together out of the woods up a hill. And I'm talking not a mountain, but it's a good Kentucky hill. And just like a boss, man, man, I miss the days when I was in that kind of shape. Strong knees, strong hips, strong back, strong legs, strong everything. So yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty good time for old Craig. I was busting a bunch of deer, uh, harvesting a bunch of deer. And it was the same somewhere around that time. I've got a picture of me. I set my sights on as a hunter, not this way. Now you all, uh, one of the things I want to point out is possibly my growth, hopefully, hopefully my maturity. Uh, there's been some times where, um, 
growing and maturing has been a vital aspect of hunting and I've grown and matured from those things. But I set my sights on killing everything that I could, killing my limit and everything that I could one year. So I killed my lemon and doves, I killed my lemon and grouse, I killed my lemon and squirrels and rabbits and quail and deer all in one year. Um, and that was just something I had set my sights on. And I'll never forget it was it was rabbit hunting. The last thing that I had not gotten was rabbit hunting, and my dad and I were rabbit hunting. And um, I needed one rabbit. I, you know, I can't remember what the limit was at that time. And I remember... Um, I remember this day like it was yesterday. My dad was pushing us coming up through these, this briar patch. He was bird, you know, he was rabbit dogging and we didn't have a rabbit dog, but he was the rabbit. I was usually the rabbit dog, but he knew what I was trying to do and he was helping me out. And, uh, he pushed this rabbit up through me and it came out and I I'm on it and I feel it, you know, the weight of the moment that you've been going after. I mean, you talk about a lot of time afield to get your lemon and all those critters in one year. Uh, there's just not a lot of people that have a desire to do that nor have the ability to do that. And I'm very glad that I had both. But uh, I remember thinking, I'm getting ready to do this. And I did. I zapped that rabbit. I was shooting a little 20 gauge pump, busted that rabbit, and had my lemon and everything for the year. I was pretty ecstatic about it. Uh, 35 is, you know, more along the lines when I started developing a conservation and stewardship minded. And was looking at, instead of just going out and killing things for the sake of killing things, and hey, I, you know, I, I never had been one to put uh, antlers on the, or mounted anything. I don't mount animals. Uh, I don't, I've never considered them trophies. It's always been about hunting for food for me. Uh, I've definitely kept all the antlers and utilized them in projects. But, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that uh, I've never done. But at that time, I sure pro I probably would have been putting pictures of me and all the animals I killed on Facebook if Facebook had been a thing around that time. But around 35, age of 35 is where I started changing dramatically. Uh, I started doing some habitat improvement work. And it was the first time that I recognized, you know, around this time frame, it's not exactly 35, right? It was the first time I had actually recognized that I was an integral part of the environment. Instead of, hey, the environment was there and I would go to it and I would hunt and kill things and bring them back home. I realized that my participation in the act of hunting was something that that uh, was, was a necessary part of good conservation and stewardship. And so it was around that age that I started being very selective on the animals that I killed deer hunting. And so, for example, if I saw a, a doe and she had fawns with her, I wouldn't kill the doe. Uh, if I saw a doe and she had two to three fawns, you know, at that time, the statistics were that more often than not, one of those fawns would die during the winter. So I would kill one. Uh, so there were a host of reasons why that one fawn would die. It might be because, you know, the mother can't care for two of them. She's got to find enough food for both of them and all that st stuff that goes along with it through the winter. And so what I would do, or my mindset at that time was not saying it's correct, but it's, it's fairly correct was to, uh, help this process. I mean, one of them is going to die anyway, so I would go ahead and kill one. And I started getting a little more selective on the bucks that I would kill, meaning I would get the larger bucks and and or deer that looked like the uh, bucks that didn't look like they were healthy. 
meaning they were malnourished because they had funky antlers or something of that nature. I would bust those deer, and so I started killing at that time a bunch of a bunch of of uh, weird antler deer. I mean, deer that I mean, I've got a whole pile of antlers that are just wacky looking, and so and a lot of does. And I've you know there was a lot of stuff put out during those times about hunting does and killing does and how important it was. And a lot of hunters don't buy into that. And I do, I listen to the biologists. I think they're smarter than me when it comes to such things. So I started putting down a bunch of does and that continued on to age 45. I'm 50 now. So this is kind of where I find myself now. The The thing that I've gotten into now is trying to encourage and teach my son to be, to be a hunter and to obviously have stewardship and conservation. But, you know, coming to the realization that my son hunts for different reasons than I do. And that was hard. You know, most people want their kids to be similar to them. And, you know, you it's just like anybody. You, you don't want to disagree with people. You want to agree with people. And I, I wanted my kids to do that. But at the same time, one of the most difficult aspects of parenting in my mind is to try to teach your kids to have a foundation of things that are important to you because you're responsible for raising them. And at the same time, let them make their own mistakes and, and let them do their own thing. And so, um, that's kind of where I find myself now. Uh, two things, my dad, uh, this is interesting, you know, I'm 50. And so I'm right smack dab in the point where my dad's getting older and his knees don't work. And he's, he, he wants to continue to hunt, but he kind of doesn't want to hunt anymore because it's hard on him. Uh, my son is a deer. He's at that deer slayer stage. He killed three deer this past weekend in 30 minutes. Um, he's just at that stage. Right. And, um, and, and it's a good stage and it's good to see him in it. I mean, he's just, he's, he's a good shot. He's a good hunter. He knows where to put himself, um, and, and those types of things. So, but I'm right in the middle where, you know, I haven't killed many deer in the last few years. Usually I just let Zane kill them all. And my dad, my dad's, you know, I've heard, uh, I've had the good of fortune of training with some really good special forces guys. And, and I did some training with some guys that were retired and they were older. And they, you know, they talked about when their separation of service came and, and becoming older and when they not like the warrior they used to be. And, um, you know, there's that part of them that they, they, you know, they still want to be that guy and they still want to be the, you know, 10 foot tall and bulletproof kind of guy, but at the same time, they recognize that they're older, but they still do things like, you know, whatever they work out stuff of that nature to still be strong in mind, body and spirit. My dad is kind of in that position. Now I'm recognizing in that he's older. He doesn't feel like hunting, but at the same time, he doesn't want to be an old man. <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, he doesn't want to, uh, put himself out to pasture. So, you know, he killed two deer, two deer this year. And the last one that he killed, he didn't, he didn't really, uh, he didn't really have need of that deer at all, but he was going to kill another deer by golly. And, uh, and this will be the last story I'll tell you. And then we'll, we'll cut off and then we'll get into some recipes in part three. But so he had gone to an area to hunt and Zane and I, my son had, we'd already hunted. Zane had killed three deer that this past weekend. And so we we actually went to a different location just to kind of hunt and scout and see some different areas of uh, this farm that we lease. And uh, 
And so we get out to the truck and it's, it's getting pretty dark. I mean, darker than what my dad usually stays in the woods hunting. And so we, uh, Zane and I got in the truck and we were going to go pick him up. So we're driving across this hayfield and I can see him just standing in the middle of the hayfield. And, and, you know, I'm thinking it's, I mean, it's still light enough to shoot. It's definitely legal to shoot. It's just odd for my dad to still be out there. And he's just standing there. And I'm like, man, is he okay? He sees something. So, you know, it's, I'm thinking, well, he's already walking out. He's going to go ahead and he's coming out anyway. So we keep on driving. And then we get really close to him and realize that if you think about it in a line, I'm looking out the windshield of the truck driving and I see my dad. And then all of a sudden I see the white tail of a deer between me and him. And he's just standing there. Well, he had seen this deer, and I had not seen it yet. And so I didn't, I didn't really know what to do. And so the location, you know, there's my dad is an incredibly, incredibly safe shooter. It's not like he would ever even consider taking a shot. Matter of fact, after talking to him afterwards, he's like, "Back up, back up." You know, he's in his mind. He's man, I can't believe they came in. But what I did was, I just threw the truck in reverse. And backed up, and then knowing that he's going to be shooting our direction, uh, but not at us, obviously, we took the truck down below a hill. Uh, just you know, Earth is the best stop for for uh, bullets, and so we went down the other side of a hill to where there's it's impossible for him to be able to shoot into us, and so he's shooting into the hillside. If he misses, that's an important point of consideration. If he misses, and as soon as we got out of sight and got the truck out, I was like, bam, we hear him and he busted. So me and Zane went up there and, and, uh, I gutted it out and we got it in the truck and headed back to the house. So yeah, those are a few stories for you. I just want to give you some insight into, you know, every hunter will find themselves in different stages of life. And some of these stages you might find yourself at the beginning and stay on them the whole time. And, uh, no matter where you find yourself, I would encourage you to to try to engage in hunting and see what it can do for you. Uh, I think it's time well spent. You learn so much about yourself. You learn so much stuff about the environment. And as far as survival is concerned, I just don't think you can do any better than being able to supply your own food source and spend time. You know, this year I went out uh, one night. uh, Well, I went out one day and it was 23 degrees and I had to sit on a tree stand all day long. You know, learning how to deal with that sort of thing and dress properly is important and learning how to just what I could refer to as embrace the suck is important. So there you have it. That's some few stories, some insight into hunting and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. As always, you can always email me at info at nature That's my website and uh, check out all the things going on with the survival show podcast, particularly our sponsor, tinysurvival.com. Manly 10 is the discount code. So get in on that action over at tinysurvival.com. That's the website that David's built. Man, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, when he when he put it out there and said, hey, take a look. What do you think? Uh, I was like, man, I'm impressed. I was impressed. It looked good. It looked real good. So check that out, guys. Until the next time, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.